You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for what you're wanting to do today. Just feel um, specifically that you would open our hearts to the intentionality of heaven. Lord, that we would, um, that we would engage with you today, that we would um, not just skip over the process of, of coming to church and just going through the motions, Lord, but that we would, we would stop, that we would pause, that we would reflect on what you're saying to us in this moment. Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to receive, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear what you're saying that there would be grace in the room. Thank you, Lord. Do what you do, Lord. (laughs) Do what you do when you do. (laughs) How you do. Amen, awesome. Okay, so um, yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna just talk today. Is that okay? Let's just chat. Let's just have a little talk. Um, You know, I shared a little bit about what I'm going to share today uh, with the school last week. I'm not going to fully probably go that same direction. We might go a little little separate bend, but um, a couple weeks ago, I was with the Lord, and um, I was kind of, I've just been kind of in this space a funky space. Anybody ever go through a funky space season where you're just like, what is life? <laughs> what is life, Lord? Um, and I'm just, you know, I've been walking, you know, for a while in, in a season of um, health issues. And a lot of you guys know that. Um, I have a neurological disease for the last nine years. I've had that. And um, this summer, you know, I've had some, some other stuff kind of starting to come up, some other symptoms coming up. And, and then the last, you know, month or so, I kind of started to realize like, oh, maybe, you know, some of these symptoms I might need to get checked out. And um, so that's kind of brought up some, you know, some issues with, you know, as you do when you're facing health issues of, of like, oh, what's going on with my life? What's going on with my health? What's going on um, with my future? With my, you know, maybe even like, I have to do tests I don't like to do. Like, I'm gonna have to go get another MRI. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't want to do that. So, you know, not fun stuff. Not, not things that, you know, I, I want to face or think about or, you know, all of those things. And so I'm in a place uh, a couple weeks ago where you know, I feel like I'm pretty young too. Like this is just stuff I've been dealing with for 10 years. I'm just like, I shouldn't have to deal with this at my age. Like I'm young and this, this isn't fun and you know, all that stuff. So I'm hanging out with the Lord and I'm processing some of this with the Lord. And a lot of times I process with the Lord with art and so get my art out. And the Lord's like, you know, why don't you pick up your Bible? Or I don't even know if he asked me to pick up my Bible. I just picked up my Bible. Like, well, let's do this today. Let's, let's read the word. And I'm like, what do I want to read? Nothing. I don't want to read anything, you know? Okay, we'll start with Psalms 1. So I read Psalms 1, and that's a nice psalm because um, one of my sons 
life verses is in that Psalm. His, uh, his name is Oren, sitting in the front row. One of his verses that his name is associated with is he will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season and his leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. And so I was reading that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's wonderful. Encourage, love my son, pray for him. That's a nice verse. And I get to Psalms too, you know, okay, I made it through one Psalm, praise God. <laughs> Life's good, I got, I got through a Psalm. And um, I make it to Psalms too. And I'm, I'm reading Psalms 2. Why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the people devising a vain thing? I'm like, well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Feels like what we're living in right now. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take their counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, anointed saying, let us tear apart their feathers, their fetters, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Um, that verse three means to break down the teachings, their core values, their belief systems, and to cast away their cords is actually to break apart their unity, break apart their connection, break apart their um, their, their relationships. It's like, okay, that sounds familiar right now too. He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. That is actually like the Lord is so far above, his wisdom is so far above this that he's just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and terrifying them in his fury saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Now, I don't know about for you, but I like, I read scripture sometimes. I, now, I've read this since then. I've read this probably, you know, 20, 30 times. So I'm reading this like I know what I'm talking about now. But when I read this the first few times, I'm like, God, what are you saying? Like, are you saying, you ever read the Bible and you're like, what? Like, what are you saying? Are you saying, you know, David wrote this. David, are you talking about your time? Are you talking about Jesus's time? Are you talking about our time? Are you talking about revelation? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, God, what are you talking about, Holy Spirit? What is this? And it really is, like, God is so good that he can talk about multiple time zones, because he's outside of time, right? That he is that good, that he's like, yes, I'm talking about David's time. Yes, I'm talking about Jesus. Yes, I'm talking about, you know, the disciples, yes, I'm talking about you. So at this point, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about raising up Zion, King in Zion, which is Jesus. But as for me, I've installed my King upon Zion, my holy mountain. He's talking about the upcoming, now this is David talking, he's prophesying about Jesus coming into salvation, right? And our, all, all of us coming into salvation. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord he said to me, you are my son, and today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, I read that verse over and over and over and over again. I'm like, that is just so weird. And I don't know that I've fully gotten it, but you can go through scripture and read that verse all through scripture. 
But um, another translation of that is you shall rule them with a scepter of iron or a um, staff, which is another word for, uh, you know, a shepherd's rod, right? There's Jesus, shepherd. And you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, kings, show discernment and take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the son that he not become angry and you perish in the way for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. And so I'm sitting there reading this verse and that, that verse number 12, do homage to the son popped out at me. And that, you know, Holy Spirit's so fun because if you'll pay attention to him, he will let one word open up a world to you, you know? If you'll just be sensitive to his presence. And so that word homage stuck out to me. You know, it really wasn't like I heard the Lord say, Lacey, look up this word. This is, this is my leading. But I could just feel a curiosity homage. That's a funny word. Homage. Sounds funny to say. Feels funny to read. That's not Amish. <laughs> homage. So I looked it up in my concordance because, you know, I'm a good researcher. Looked up on my concordance app and that the concordance translation is kiss the sun. And the Lord says to me, remember that song in the 90s from Kevin Prosh? used to really like it called Kiss the Sun. I said, oh yeah, I like that song. He said, why'd you listen to it? So I put it on, find it. You know, I don't have it, I have to find it. Um, put it on. And literally within the first like five seconds, I'm just bawling, just blah. And the Lord just starts speaking to me, and I, I feel like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what, I, what he, he told me, but I, one, of, one of the lines from that song is, um, let, me, let me see if I have it still on my phone. When you've been broken, broken to pieces, and your heart begins to faint because you don't understand, and when there's nothing to rake from the ashes, and you can't even walk onto the fields of praise, but I bow down and kiss the sun. I bow down and kiss the sun. When the rock falls, falls upon you, and you get ground to dust, no music for your pain. You open the windows, the windows of heaven, and then you opened me up and you crushed me like a rose. I bow down and kiss the sun. And the Lord just started speaking to me about how beautiful our worship is and our place of pain. 
And that is not a popular thing to talk about, is it? Because we really love to talk about the beautiful worship of the mountaintop, the beautiful worship of the victory, the beautiful worship of the end chapter of conclusion, of prophecy when it comes to pass, all of those things. But when you're in the process of not knowing how it's gonna end up, and you, you, you don't even have the strength to make it to the fields of praise, you don't even have the strength to walk onto the fields of praise, but you bow down and you kiss the sun. God is just like, that is, that is worship to me. And this chapter of Psalms 2 is talking a lot about what we're dealing with now in the world and, and the chaos and the plans of the enemy and everything else that is going you know, down in the world and all the craziness. The way that this verse translates, kiss, that word kiss, it means literally, figuratively, to touch as a maid of an attachment, to equip with weapons, armed or rule. So there's like a military side to it. But it also means to fasten up, to seize, to be strong, to be courageous, to strengthen, to cure, to help, repair, fortify, to bind, to restrain, to conquer, to amend, to catch, to cleave, to confirm, to hold fast, to cling, to join, to love, to delight in, to have delight, to desire, to long. There's a surrender in that place of when you are so undone in your own frustration, in your own disappointment, in your own pain, in your own lack of strength, to worship God in that place, to build an altar of praise in that place. You know what I mean? Anybody ever been in that place where you're just like, I'm gonna burn this place down? <laughs> and it's everything in me to surrender that and light, a, light an altar of praise instead. That's beautiful to God. But we want to condemn ourselves for wanting to burn it to the ground instead of seeing that God thinks that us choosing to make a place of worship in that place is beautiful. See, we have to be able to talk about this. We don't talk about this in church because it's not pretty. If, it was, if, if there was more people talking about this, then we'd see actually more people talking about this. Instead, we just, we just hear about it after the fact. I don't usually hear about people having a sickness or a disease, a fatal sickness or disease until after they're dead. In the, in the kingdom. Our mothers and fathers in the kingdom. Why is that? Is it because they can't be vulnerable publicly? That's sad to me. We have to be able to bleed together 
as a body and strengthen each other together as a body because this is real life. And I don't like this no neither more than you do. I don't like being the one getting up here and talking about this. But we have to be able to be real. And I feel like there is just this key that the Lord was, is asking me to share because it, because it's so powerful, it's so beautiful to him that in our place of, at the end of ourselves, that when we can offer that to God, that that's so beautiful to him, that it is strength to him, that it is, it is, it is what he's asking on our, on our highest heights, but also in our lowest lows, worship, worship to him. And I feel like this is what keeps us on the path of righteousness is understanding that, that tension. Because it is going to be a tension. It's not just um, mountains, it's valleys. We have mountains and valleys. And so kiss the sun that he not become angry with you and you perish in the way. Do you want to know what the perish in the way means? It sounds bad, right? Sounds like he's going to smite, smite you. But perish means, actually translated in the concordance, it means to wander away or lose oneself, to break, to destroy, to fail, to be undone, to be void of, to have no way, and to flee. See, if you can't find a way in your, in your moments that you're ready to burn it all to the ground, if you can't find a way to worship the Lord instead of burning it all to the ground, you're gonna lose yourself. You see the church right now, you see, you see Christians right now deconstructing their faith. Why, because life's hard right now. People are losing their jobs, they're losing their loved ones. It's not a pretty world right now. And so people are really questioning. And I feel like as a church worldwide, not our church, I'm not condemning our church, I think our church is amazing. But as the church body, we haven't done a great job of showing this. You know, like I love, you know, I think we all love the idea of David being the David on the side of the Goliath as he's holding the head in the air, right? Like everybody wants to be that David. Nobody wants to be the David that's going to the field, that's bringing his brother's lunch, and the, and the brothers are like, go home, loser, you're just here for attention. No one wants to be that David. No one wants to be that David, but he's both, isn't he? He's the David that gets ridiculed by his brothers and, and ignored by his father and rejected. And he is the David that's the victorious one. He's both. And he had to learn to navigate and he had to learn to worship God in both places. But there's ugly there. So to perish means to lose oneself, to wander away, to fail, to be undone. The way, you perish in the way. So the way is your course of life, your road, your mode of action, your journey, your pathway, your manner or your custom. That's what that means. This is, this is the strong concordance. This is the actual 
breakdown of these words. So does that make a little bit more sense then? When you can understand, kiss the sun, show your allegiance to the sun, learn how to, in your hardest times, pour out your heart to him, learn how to trust him, learn how to find yourself in him, in the, the depths of wanting to burn it all down, into turning away from who he says you are, when it's not working, when you don't know what's gonna happen, when you don't know how it's gonna work out, when you feel abandoned, when you feel alone, when you feel rejected, finding him, worshiping him, setting an altar up of worship, standing before him, and pouring yourself out before him. God, I don't know why, but I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to say you are good. I'm choosing to say you are God. You are still the healer. You are still the provider. You are still the one that sits on the throne. My emotions, my, my truth, my reality doesn't dictate who you are, Lord. My circumstances bow to you, Jesus, not the other way around. And that way I don't lose my course of life. My life doesn't change based on what is real to me today. It's the other way around. Whew. Because how blessed are all who take refuge in him. How blessed are all who can take refuge in him. Ooh, so good. See, this is an outline of how to live our life successfully. This is an outline of how to not lose our way in the midst of a crazy world, a world of people trying to make plans and, you know, cause division in the church and get God out of you know, our schools and get God out of our government and shut down our churches and everything else. This is the way that we don't lose who we are called to be, is that we don't change the subject, that on the high place and in the low place, we kiss the sun. Now, if you want to for forward to Acts, you can see how this works out. Now I dove deep into this. It's all, you know, you can, you can nerd out. I'm not gonna nerd out too much today because it's too, it's too nerdy. We're gonna go through all the scriptures, way too many verses, but, um, There's a lot of references through, throughout, you know, lots of different places. But one of those places is in Acts. And here we go. We're in Acts. And um, we're, um, we're going to just start in Acts 1. And then we'll read out of Acts 4. But... Um, Acts 1, Jesus is getting ready to be ascended, right? And um, he's, you know, he's instructing the disciples. 
that the Holy Spirit's gonna come. He's, he's, he's instructing them that, you know, that they need to wait for Holy Spirit to come. One thing I wanna highlight is that anytime God is getting ready to, to do something in a new covenant, which he, you know, he's, oh, how deep do I wanna go down this rabbit hole? It's oh, a deep drink. So, okay. So there's a lot of symbolism in all of this. Um, and we, we know that, like I just explained, that uh, David's prophesying about, you know, Jesus in that scripture um, of that Psalms, that, you know, about his, about, about Jesus coming and all of that. Um, and the new, you know, the new covenant and all of those things. And here we have in Acts, um, Jesus has come, he's been crucified, he's been resurrected, and now he's getting ready to, to go um, to heaven and the Holy Spirit's coming, right? So now we have a new transition. Um, trying to think of how I wanna say all this. So, Okay, let me skip forward. All right, here we go. Let's just skip to, let's just skip to Acts 4. Um, or Acts 3. So Acts 3, Peter and John, they're outside of the temple. A man who has been lame is begging outside the gate. Beautiful, right? pretty famous story. He's begging. They, Peter and John fix gaze on him. They say, look at us. They look at him. He's expecting gold. They give him something different. He gets healed, right? This big thing happens because they get filled with the Holy Spirit in between Acts 1 and 3. Up, they go to the upper room. Holy Spirit comes. They all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Revival is breaking out. All this amazing stuff, right? Um, and so now, um, this man gets healed and they, um, they get arrested, right? This is what's interesting to me. They get arrested. Not just Peter and John get arrested. I'm pretty sure the guy that got healed got arrested too. <laughs> Never noticed that before. I was like, wow, that's a, that's crazy. Um, as they were speaking to the people, this is four now, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up and being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Now here's the thing. So you have Peter and John getting arrested, this has not been that long since Jesus was arrested, crucified, right? This has only been a few weeks because Jesus waited 40 days. He was with them 40 days after resurrection before he went up to heaven. So this has only been even a few weeks since then. So you gotta think in your mind, Peter just denied Jesus to these same people that he's getting ready to go before. He's been in jail now overnight. I just like to think about this stuff because I think sometimes we think 
there's no fear. He was probably fine. He probably was like, no worries. This is the same person that just a few weeks ago denied Jesus three different times to Ananias and I can't say, Annas and Caiaphas. Caiaphas? Why do they make their names so difficult? Lord. Why can't they be like Phil and Charlie? (laughs) Phil and Charlie. No. But you got to think like, and now they're there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're on, if we're on trial today for the benefit done to the sick man, as to how this man was made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people in Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which you rejected by the builders but which became the chief cornerstone. So he's sitting there preaching the gospel to these two people that he literally was so scared that he denied his best friend and savior of the world just a few weeks ago. What is different? And he goes, now they're, now they're like freaking out because they're going, we just killed Jesus. He's been resurrected. Now it's spreading. They didn't appreciate Jesus's message before, which is why they tried to get rid of it, right? Why would Peter and John not think that this was gonna happen to them? I would be thinking that. I would be thinking, you just tried to do do this to Jesus. Why why would they be thinking we're not headed to death right now? I would be thinking that if I was in jail. This is probably the end. But they're just preaching the gospel. And they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men And they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And having seen the man that had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that the noteworthy miracle had taken place through them is apparent. And all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Because this man sat outside the gate every day, could not walk. Everybody knew this guy. That's, that's, that's the guy. He's been in it. I love that it says here, for the man was more than 40 years old. <laughs> Why they got to say that? It's rude. I'm 40. It's rude. It's rude. Okay. So listen. So they said, but so that they will not spread any farther among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, They let them go, finding no basis on what to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Now listen to what he says. He said, when they had been released, they went on to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they'd heard this, they lifted their voices to God and in one accord saying, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, 
who by the Holy Spirit through your mouth of our father David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage and the people devised futile things? The earth, the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. So there's Psalms 2 right there. So here we go. So there's Psalms 2. So what's the Lord saying? So here we have Peter and John quoting Psalms 2, being completely different people than they were just a few weeks before. And I believe that they had a key that they learned in that process of learning how to kiss the sun, learning how to press into a place of worship, learning how to be activated in a place of weakness that the Holy Spirit was able to take charge of something in their lives, in a place of weakness, in a place of pain, in a place of, um, in a place that, that they had maybe even thought they were defeated at one point. Like that was Peter's biggest defeat. I think that was his biggest place of shame was denying Jesus. I mean, obviously. Obviously you can't get worse than denying the Christ, literally. And here he is now rocking life, not caring, facing death, facing jail, facing and, and, and he goes on to die. I mean, I don't know if you've studied the disciples, but all of them died brutally besides John. Every single one of them in an awful, awful, awful way. And if they hadn't learned this principle of kissing the sun, if they hadn't learned this principle of being completely consumed with Holy Spirit in the good and the bad and the ugly, then they wouldn't have been able to endure they wouldn't have been able to press in. And I feel like they would have wandered away. They would have perished. They would have missed their ability to fulfill their call. And so I just feel there's a, there's, there's a key here. There's a key here. And the Lord just reminded me this week, like it is so beautiful in your place of pain to bring me worship. And that doesn't mean like, oh, God is causing me pain. Pain is just a part of this life. If you love, if you love deeply, you will have pain because you're going to love somebody that has pain. That doesn't mean you should be afraid or anything else, but that's just part of life. Like I've learned that walking and pastoring, like I, Man, my heart has been broken so many times just because I love people and because it's hard when people get hurt or they die or they, you know, something happens. But then when you're navigating your own pain and your own fears and your own what ifs, it's hard. And it can bring up a lot of orphan spirit and orphan mentality. And if you don't push into worship in those places and surrender in those places, you can lose your way. And so I just wanna invite you guys to, to, to set an altar before the Lord in those places of pain, to set an altar in the places of mystery, even in the places of, I'm ready to burn this, this place to the ground. I'm ready to burn this mother down. 
Okay. Well, let's light a place of let's light a place of of of, of worship. Let's light an altar of glory. Because what the accuser wants to do is be like, oh my gosh, wow, look at the enemy, or look at you, you're so bad. But the Lord says, bring me that. Look at you, look at you bringing me those places. That is beautiful that you are choosing to trust me in those places of pain. Because it's the exact opposite of what you want to do when you're hurting. Because it feels like I'm letting go of any control that I might have. And that's beautiful to the Lord. It's the ultimate sign of I choose to trust you. When I just want to do something. Just want to get in my car and drive. Just want to walk. I just want to run. I just want to anything. But I'm just going to choose to kiss the sun. I'm just gonna choose to worship you, get on my face and cry. That is so powerful.